If you're looking for industry insider knowledge or seeking advice on the hottest prospects and rookies, if your goal is a better return on investment, these next 30 minutes will not help with any of that. We're going to talk cards. We're going to talk about life. We're going to share some laughs. And we're most definitely going to wax nostalgic. Coming to you from the Why I Collect Studios in the Rod Carew Man Cave, deep in the bowels of the EN Sports Cards Estate, in the heart of Louisville, Kentucky, broadcasting around the world. So put that junk wax binder down and your headphones on. You're listening to the People Over Cards podcast with your host, Che, a heart of the hobby production. Welcome, my friends. I'm your host, Che, from ensportscards.com, and you're listening to the People Over Cards podcast. Happy Monday, it's July 17th, 2023, and this is Episode 9 of People Over Cards. Welcome, friends. I'm your host, Matt Osborne, and I am not from ensportscards.com, but fear not. The show's guest today is. We are flipping the script. So, throughout Season 1, we've learned and listened about various personalities in and around the hobby. So what about the guy who made this podcast possible? Having said that, it is my pleasure to welcome my friend, the man himself, Mr. Che Lopez of the podcast. Che, thanks for being on your own podcast. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) I appreciate the invite. (laughs) No, honestly, thank you for doing this. Um, I, I really appreciate you agreeing to be guest host. Uh, so I could kind of expound on the story that I told during my prologue. So I thought it'd be a good way to wrap up the season. So thanks again. No, my pleasure, man. So full disclosure, folks, we did do a little prep for the show as I've never hosted a podcast before, but um, we didn't talk at all about what I'm about to throw at Mr. Lopez here. So I know what... I'm a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite parts of each episode is the icebreaker. And uh, so let me ask. Are you ready for your four questions, sir? I, I'm nervous, actually, but yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do it. Okay. Number one, if you had to pick a season of baseball to relive, what year would it be and why? 1990. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, wire to wire, first place the entire season. They were never in second place. Uh, my guy, Eric Davis, was the star of that team. I love Barry Larkin. Uh, and they won the World Series and swept those Dirty Oakland A's and Dave Stewart. Uh, just perfect, perfect season beginning to end. Uh, if I could go back and relive one, that would be it. Those dirty Oakland A's. So <laughs> as a collector, what is your most prized possession? Oh, man. you got, got you a can, lot. You can only pick one, Jay. I would say um, 
as far as sports collectibles, um, it would have to be, I think I'm going to surprise some people. Um, I was about to say my Rod Carew rookie that has been autographed and authenticated by Beckett, but that's not it. Um, It's a University of Kentucky football helmet that Jen bought me our first Christmas together. And she had it signed by the entire Citrus Bowl team and this beautiful white paint uh, pen. Uh, it's it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, uh, it's the centerpiece of my University of Kentucky collection. And I have it out um, in my den. And every time I, I see it, it just brings a smile to my face. I, I, it's, that's my one favorite piece. That's awesome. I've seen it. Can confirm it is really nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so those are two sports-related questions. We're going to deviate from sports a little bit on question number three and four. So number three, <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the last book you read, and would you recommend it? Uh, I read a book called Red Rising uh, last week, and no, I would not recommend it. Uh, it was... Um, supposed to be it's a science fiction what i thought um based uh the story was based on on mars the planet mars had been colonized hundreds of years from now uh and then that lasted about uh first two chapters and then it became nothing about science fiction nothing about living on mars and it was turned into a cheap version of the hunger games (laughs) i was so disappointed uh in that book. So I don't recommend red rising. Okay. Do not recommend. Got it. All right. The final question. What is the most refreshing beverage in the world? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. And you know, the answer to this, I have an idea of what you're going to (laughs) say. It is an ice cold. Yes. McDonald's. Diet Coke. Yes. And Absolutely. there is no close second. There is uh, no close second. And <laughs> some of you may not know this, but Che and I, I think the crux of our relationship is that we are both McDonald's, Diet Coke evangelists. So, <laughs> you know, I would say, and this is not an exaggeration, maybe 15% of our communication is Wordle, our daily Wordle. Right. Probably another 10% is just memes and crazy stuff with me, you and Josh. Right. And then the other 75% is about our experiences in the McDonald's drive-thru <laughs> while we're waiting on our Diet Cokes. <laughs> yes. Our, our misadventures with McDonald's, those beautiful golden arches and the app and, and everything oh, yeah. else. So. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we've actually talked about starting a podcast based on that. We have enough material. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So you've indulged me. I appreciate that. Um, So, you know, let's get kind of right to it. Um, We've all heard, you know, the prologue to the show. We know a little bit about your origin story, your sort of introduction to baseball cards. It was that, you know, fabled summer of 1981. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, just, you know, tell us a little bit more about that. I'm personally curious, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody knows by now if they've listened to this podcast or follow me on Twitter. You know, I started when I was seven. It was 1981, and um, 
I bought a few packs that summer as, as many as I could just, you know, gathering loose change of being seven years old and not, you know, mom was single mom, uh, didn't really have an allowance. So, you know, I didn't buy a lot of cards and that continued, you know, 81, 82, 83, 84. I just got packs winning where I could. I might go a whole summer and get five packs. You know, maybe I got lucky and got eight packs a summer. So, but I love the cards. I just didn't have a lot. But then in 85, uh, I grew up in central Kentucky in the 80s. Tobacco was still king. Um, I got a job on a farm. My babysitter, um, her husband ran a big tobacco farm. And I was 11 years old and they decided I was old enough to go out and help. Um, and not only did they let me help, they paid me as if I were an adult and I were a fully contributing member of the, of the crew, even though I probably wasn't. You know, so mom was paying them to babysit me and they were paying me more to work in the tobacco fields and mom was having to pay them. They were losing money on me for sure. Uh, but anyway, I'm making like eight, nine dollars an hour tax free all summer while I'm 11, 12 and 13. I did it like three summers in a row. And man, I bought a lot of baseball cards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, eight, that's 85, 86, 87. That's why those, when I think back and the nostalgia and the memories and just when I really became obsessed with this hobby, those three years right there, um, I just, I spent almost every dime I, I could spend on, on cards and those three years, whether it's tops or Donruss or Fleer, um, are absolutely became, um, my go-to years as my best memories in the hobby. And then late 80s, early 90s, uh, I still bought cars, but I, I just didn't like them as much. I mean, I hated the, the designs of the, of the, you know, Tops and Fleer and Donners all kind of went downhill beginning in 88, beginning with the true junk wax era. And um, I still loved it, but it wasn't quite the same as it was in, in those, uh, those mid 80s. Mm -hmm. And I continue to buy cards. I started to maybe get into some basketball cards in the early nineties, uh, starting with, uh, when Shaquille O'Neal, uh, came out of college and him and Alonzo were, uh, huge Fleer Ultra was brand new to basketball and, uh, they were available and there started to be a card shop in town. So I really started buying basketball cards more than, more than baseball, um, early nineties through the mid nineties, still bought baseball here and there. Uh, but still loved, just loved collecting, loved, you know, I had my binders and, you know, chasing, you know, those big hits even back then. And I collected through 96. Um, and then 96, I left the University of Kentucky and moved to Florida and um, didn't rent a U-Haul or anything like that. I literally took what I could fit in the back of my Ford probe. I had a 1989 Ford probe um, and I, I just loaded it as full as I could. And there wasn't room for the baseball cards. So I left them at mom's and uh, kind of fell. I don't know. I didn't fall out of love with the hobby, but I just, it kind of it got on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of went away for me for about two decades. Yeah. We'll circle back around to that. But real quick, I follow up okay. question for you. So I've always been fascinated by, you know, like why we like the things that we like. Uh, uh -huh. it's the psychology of the thing for lack of a better, uh, for the lack of a better explanation. But so what was it about baseball, baseball cards, specific players? I mean, like what, what, you know, 
Talk to me a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah, there are a couple reasons. Um, probably first and foremost was availability. I lived in a really small town. There, there weren't a lot of places to get cards. And then all you could really find was baseball cards. I mean, I don't remember the first time I saw a pack of basketball cards on the shelf. I can remember, I think I did buy a couple of packs of football cards um, early on, but I didn't play football. Uh, I was a, I played baseball and I played basketball growing up and I was good at baseball. I wasn't very good at basketball. I mean, I just, I played it because I loved it and it was fun, but I was really good at baseball and I played baseball from the time I was five um, up through high school. It was the sport I loved. It was the, it was the sport I loved to play. It was a sport I could listen to all summer long and we didn't have any pro teams basketball wise around here, but I could listen to the Reds. My dad loved listening to the Reds and, you know, I can still close my eyes and envision just walking down the hallway at his house and hearing hearing Joe and Marty from his bedroom uh, as he was back there listening to the game. So there, there was something romantic about baseball. It was my favorite sport to play. It was available. Uh, and then, so that just became what I love to collect, really. And this is when you kind of really started following like Rod Carew, for example. Yeah, I, Eric Davis for sure, because he was he was, in my opinion, the best player in baseball. He was on my favorite team. He was amazing. Mm-hmm. That's I really started following Eric Davis, and I started following Carew. I didn't get to watch him. I didn't get to listen to him. I only saw him play on all all star games. I loved his batting stance. I was right handed. He was left handed. But we played wiffle ball in the, in the in the yard, and I tried to emulate his left handed mm-hmm. batting stance. So who did he play for? And, he played for the Angels at the time. Okay. He started off with the Twins, but he played for uh, they were the California Angels back then. Um, but truly, what kind of what started me collecting him, and I think collecting his cards led to me liking him as a player, mm-hmm. was I did find it was a pack of 1986 Fleer, which was rare in in my uh, in my little town. But there was a, a little convenience store by the school, and they got a box of 86 Fleer one time, and I, I bought a few packs. And I got that 86 Fleer Rod Crew, and I just loved the look of the card. It was just one of those. It was nothing else, but this card is really cool. And then I got a, another pack and got another one. So I'd gotten two. So I was like, okay, now I've got two of these. Let me start collecting him. I think I traded for a couple more. Next thing you know, I had four or five of those cards. And that kind of started me uh, looking for Rod Crew cards to build this budding collection. And that was 1986. And... I'm still building that Rod Carew collection. It's, you uh, certainly are, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> so you walked away from collecting circa 96. Yeah, um, 96. Yeah, I can vouch for this as you know, we've been friends for years at this point, And I don't know how many hours of conversation that we've had. And I have never even heard it come up until a few years ago. You right. know, uh, quote unquote, the hobby or baseball or collecting or um, so what led you back to it? Um, I, I got married and had kids during that, that 20 years away. But then in 2017, I got divorced. And so I, you know, I moved out and I was, I was living by myself and, um, I didn't have my kids, you know, I didn't have my kids, I was getting every other weekend and one night a week there when we, when, when, when we first got divorced and I was kind of looking for 
uh, something to keep me busy. But that wasn't when I got back into cars because shortly thereafter, um, my mom got diagnosed with dementia. And um, we looked into to some memory care assisted living facilities for her. But one thing that she had always told me, and I knew, I knew, I knew, uh, you know, Che, please don't put me in a home. Che, please don't put me in a home. I couldn't survive in a home. Um, so I moved her in with me. Uh, so I, I, I brought mom to live with me and I took care of her for the last two years of her life. And then in April of 2019, she passed away. So now, um, mom was gone and I was back truly living by myself, but I was going through a lot of her, <clears throat> a lot of the, her old stuff. And, um, she had a storage unit and, you know, she had uh, a bunch of boxes and things that I was going through. And I actually found some old starting lineup figures. Um, and I kept them in the boxes. They were still in the box. They were there. The boxes were all beat up and everything. So I was like, Oh man. So I went and looked up the values of them and saw they weren't worth anything. Um, and so I kept them out. And then my boys, I got my boys that weekend and we just opened them up and they played with the figures and I looked at the cards and the rest is, is history. I, I was, I was back in, but then I wasn't, I wasn't back in that deep, but then COVID hit <clears throat> and you and I worked together. So, you know, you know, this, um, when COVID hit, what was that? Was it March of 19? Right at, right around March of 19. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we worked together. We were both field sales managers whose job was to be in the field, driving, visiting accounts. And suddenly those accounts wouldn't let us in. <laughs> so we had to work from home and I hope no one from my employer is listening, but <laughs> we were working from home and it wasn't taking us eight hours a day to get our stuff done. Right. right. Yes. So now I'm at home by myself all day, every day. Um, and that's really, really when I, I started uh, messing around, um, buying more cards and I would sit at night and I would sort them. And, you know, my brother who had, uh, I don't want to say we were estranged, but we hadn't been the closest over the last two decades because I was married and I was doing this and I had all this stuff to do, but I'd moved back closer to him mm -hmm. and I'm there by myself. And we were just talking one night and I was, I was telling him, Hey, I, you know, I'm back into my cards. And he's like, man, I never quit. I'm still doing cards. So then he and I got together and we would look through each other's cards and then we just started buying, you know, buying more. So that, that went on for about, about a year. And then I found the hobby, uh, on Twitter. And at that point, um, I, I was, I was a full blown degenerate, uh, when I found people <laughs> that like, I could talk to you about it and you're mm -hmm. not in the hobby. Right. And so you would say, that's cool, Che, but you wouldn't get it. Right. right. Mm -hmm. But when I'm on Twitter and I'm talking about it, there are, there are hundreds and thousands of people out there who get it and they respond mm -hmm. and they're genuinely happy and they're excited and they show me what, you know, what they've gotten. And I just found this community of like-minded people and it just, it, it, it just pulled me in, man. And, and, you know, I'm Jen, I had Jen on last week and she said she's a lifer and, and I'm, I'm a lifer now. I can't see myself leaving the hobby again. Yeah. So just an observation, it, it, it sounds like, and this has happens to me too, like the older that I get, nostalgia is just more profound for whatever reason. 
it sounds like nostalgia was kind of the first thing that kind of led you back to it. And it just kind of expanded from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, my, my whole, you know, I, I call it my, why I collect, um, my reason for collecting. And I think it's 100% rooted in nostalgia. Just yeah. that. Just it's that a magical feeling. thing, man. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, uh, I had Joey Shiver on here. I think it was episode two and I can't, I can't do him justice to the way he said it, but he was talking about being an adult and having responsibilities and having bills to pay and taking care of the kids and, and doing everything. And he said, you know, there's not many things that I can do as a 45 year old man, or in my case as a 49 year old man that I could do when I was a kid. I can't, I'm not nearly as good as baseball. I'm not in physical shape. I can't go do a lot of those things that I could do when I was young, but I can still open those packs of baseball cards and I can still experience that feeling of of hitting that rod crew or that jackie robinson out of a pack um it's just it's the it's the same feeling as it was before yeah yeah i mean it is it's um i mean there was some true i don't know if it's the exact same in in ways it Yeah. yeah in ways it's it's more intense now because um back then i would just be excited to get you know, one of my Cincinnati Reds players, mm-hmm. but, you know, with, with life experience and, you know, having grown and, and now having a better appreciation um, for things in life that make me happy. Um, I think it can, it's a, it can be even a little bit more intense than it was when I was young. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of negative things about getting older, but I think, you know, one of the positive things is that we're, we get wiser and we do appreciate things like that. So, um, and I can totally relate with various things that I've loved when I was growing up in my formative years or whatever. (laughs) Um, so I want to touch on, you mentioned Twitter, uh, and the Twitter community. And I want to know more about that. So again, uh, what's, you know, what's different about the Twitter community versus, I don't know, Facebook, or other social media um, sites? From what I've seen, you know, I used to have Facebook. I used to do Instagram, and I haven't done those since I've been back in the hobby. So I can't speak to what the hobby's like on Facebook. I can only speak to Facebook and then how. I think Twitter provides a bit more insulation from your immediate friends and family, and you kind of get to be who you are without having that distraction of the people you went to high school with and, and aunt Bertha, uh, you know, it's, it's just like my Twitter account. I've only got three or four people who follow me, who I know in real life or who I knew in real life when I started it. So the, this account was truly set up to be about and for sports cards collecting. Um, I've got the ability to mute terms and block people and any subject matter that I don't want to see. I get to make my, my echo chamber and my silo. And, and a lot of times those can be bad. Like, you know, we can get into these echo chambers or we can get into these silos that are, that are, that are negative. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the community that I've associated with on Twitter is a very positive, generous giving community. And I've kind of created this, this echo chamber of positivity and 
it's just been a great thing. I mean, it's been an absolute wonderful thing for me. Um, I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but, and I don't want to say it saved my life, but I think it kept me from going a little crazy or kept me at least away from depression. When I was at home Mm -hmm. by myself during, you know, work from home and then during the lockdown, um, just there every day with with nobody to, to interact with or talk to. I mean, this community of people gave me an outlet, you know, mm-hmm. and gave me a place of comfort and a place to go. And then on top of that, if you listened to last week's episode, you know that during all this, Jen found the community and she felt the same way about that. Unbeknownst to me, she's starting to feel those same things. She, you know, she started watching some of the videos we were doing. She, she was following along with the fundraisers we were doing and she was going through a tough time in her life. And, and there was a lot going on with her and a lot of stresses. And she found out that she could come home at night and flip on YouTube and watch us talk and watch us raise money and buy those cards and come home and sort them and then talk about it with the, you know, she joined a couple of uh, chat groups, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, in Twitter, some direct message chat groups, and it kept her afloat a little bit as well. And then, you know, lo and behold, uh, one thing led to another, and we found each other. We knew each other before, kind of like you and I knew each other before. I mean, mm-hmm. we, were, we were all friends in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you know as well as I do, <laughs> some of the first conversations, I when, when Jen and I found each other in that way, we were both like, is this really happening? This is crazy. Cause this, this is not, this has never, ever, uh, even been a consideration, yes. but just that, that community, um, around the hobby brought us together as a couple and yeah. you know, just, it's crazy. Just, yeah. You know, just existing on your, in your periphery, uh, observing your Twitter account and listening to the, first season of this podcast is the word that comes to mind over and over is how selfless it is and just the selflessness and just the charity part blows me away yeah it does it's incredible i mean it's incredible it's like just to be a a part of something i'm jealous you know it's (laughs) just to feel like you belong and you have like-minded individuals and you know the goal isn't it's there, there is no goal other than belong and help, you know, yeah, and, and make people happy. And it, yeah. it could be small things. It doesn't have to be, you know, I was talking to Eric on here and he was talking about how, you know, I asked him and he answered that, you know, his efforts have raised $120,000 for, for various charities. And we, you know, I had Tim on, he talked about he's over a quarter of a million dollars now, but it doesn't even have to be that big. I mean, perfect example. It was last it was last spring. Uh, somebody on Twitter, he was a teacher, and he posted a picture of one of his students from the neck down. Um, you know, so you couldn't see the kid's face, but it was the kid had on a maroon t-shirt, blank, and he had taken a black sharpie and written Alabama on on the shirt. And he this teacher tagged the University of Alabama and he said, Hey, <laughs> got a kid here who loves Alabama so much that he made this shirt to wear to school today because it was college college gear day and he had he tagged the University of Alabama and said hey could you know maybe could you send him some gear 
And I saw it, and my immediate reaction was, I can remember being a kid and, you know, struggling at times financially. So I was, I just thought, man, we can't have this. So this, here's where this community comes in. I just, I sent that guy a DM. I said, DM me his size. I need to know what size, what size he wears. And then I just shot a message to like eight of my buddies and they didn't even know what, what was going on. I said, Hey, need some money. We need, I went, I went and looked up on fanatics, how much a hoodie would cost, how much some shorts would cost, how much a t-shirt would cost. And man, I, I, I mean, I just found three awesome pieces of clothing that this kid would walk into school proud. And it took me like eight minutes to get the money. Nobody asked why. They just said, you know, Chase found something that 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 he needs. And yeah, here's my 10 bucks. Here's my 10 bucks. Here's my we have a standing group. It's we have a standing group. There's about 20 of us that we've all committed ten dollars instantly. Anytime somebody comes in that group and says, Hey, here's what I need, here's what I've identified. And nobody asks questions. And it's not, it's that's not just the only group. It's like that. At any time, you know, I, I said in the prologue, my hobby is a group of 40 people going in $20 a piece to buy somebody an $800 card because they know that guy will never, ever spend that money on himself. But he, they see all the good he's doing for other people. You know, that happens quite often. Um, somebody will, will, will pop, you know, pop a tweet out there. that says, hey, I, I've got a big rack, random act of kindness I'd like to do. Um, if you're in, let me know. And you'll just see it it, 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 it instantly fills. I mean, within within minutes, they've got enough people to get 200 bucks or 800 bucks or 500 bucks. It's, it's, it's such a generous community. It's crazy. Which it's is crazy. amazing. Yeah. I yeah. would challenge any person to point me to a group of people uh, where, or a community rather, that has a mindset like that. Just the, how you, how ubiquitous it is. Uh, it's, it just kind of comes with the territory. It feels like when you're part of this community, yeah. which it's just amazing to me, but you, you know, you know you... it's, it's contagious. I, I hate to interrupt you there, but you know, it's contagious. It's I, up until that point in my life, when I found this community, I wasn't out doing that kind of stuff all the time. I wasn't donating, um, to charities a lot. I mean, I donate to, I mean, a couple of charities a month now, you know, mm. and it's because, you know, positivity is contagious and it's changed the way I think about not just collecting sports cards, it's changed the way I live my life. And which, is such, a, which is such a gift. Yeah. That, that's such yeah. a gift. And that's, that's amazing to hear. And but you mentioned one thing and you mentioned rack, <laughs> which, random act of kindness. Uh, so, which is part of the hobby, which can also be a little ambiguous if you're not familiar with the whole kind of thing. So, you know, what, what, ex so I, listen, I'm a layman folks, uh, for sure. You know, very briefly, I collected baseball card or excuse me, basketball cards in the mid nineties, uh, go supersonics, but you know, <laughs> what, what little I know I've kind of pieced together for just for being your friend. So what is the hobby? How, how do you define the hobby? 
to me, I mean, I, it's one of those things, I guess everybody would have a different definition. My definition, and it's changed, okay? I mean, it, it, it's kind of organic. Uh, but for me, at this point in time, you know, the hobby is rooted in the community of collecting baseball cards. And, and I've thought about it a lot, and I trace it back to childhood. And I can remember buying those cards, but the fun times were, you know, meeting at recess and trading and getting that extra rod crew that I didn't have or going to somebody's house after school and, and sitting in the bedroom uh, or sitting out on the front porch and trading those cards and opening packs together and getting jealous that, that this guy just, you know, pulled that Mark McGuire Olympic card and I haven't pulled one yet, but it was about the sharing, the, the sharing of the mutual experience and just extrapolate that out to the Twitter community or you know, when we all go meet at the national and, you know, going, going there now to me is more about meeting my friends and getting to talk to them and getting to, to experience the community and not so much about the cards. You know, it's based on the cards. You know, if, 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 if it wasn't for the cards, there wouldn't be the community, but also if it weren't for the community to me, there wouldn't be the hobby. The hobby is my definition, the community of folks who love to collect two and a half by three and a half pieces of cardboard with pictures of athletes on them. Yeah, which is, again, amazing. And I, I could not be happier for you uh, that you've kind of found this niche. It's a, I, I, would you consider it a niche, by the way? It's or, a niche. I, I mean, yeah. And there, there are niches and lanes within it because, yeah. So like I, I just gave you my definition of the hobby. Mm -hmm. And if someone's listening to this podcast, they're probably along that same thought pattern. But there are, are huge segments, bigger segments of the hobby that don't necessarily see it like I do. There are people who see it as an investment tool. Mm -hmm. There are people who see it um, that don't really collect a single player. They don't they don't collect certain teams they're just in it for like the gambling interested. or the yeah, yeah they're interested because of the the economics yeah a lot of a lot of them are, are yeah. and that's probably the dominant the dominant mm -hmm. group in, in the hobby right. uh are more about the economics and they're probably sports fans and they probably do like the cards but they're really in it for the economics and then the the adrenaline rush of of buying the the twenty five hundred dollar box of cards that has 10 cards in it hoping to get the card in there that's worth 50,000. It's that, that, that rush. So, I mean, there's a lot of different motivations. Um, mine tends to be more toward the nostalgic and I tend to associate with folks who are of that same mindset. Is the community something that you can quantify? How, how big is the community? Like, like what are we talking here? Um, is it even I would possible? Say, to... I don't know if it's, I mean, on the Twitter, on the Twitter side of it, if you're talking about the hobby community mm -hmm. on Twitter, I would say 75,000 people. Give or that, take. That feels yeah. like a lot. I mean, yeah. Now look at somebody like Ivan Lovegren, who was my first guest. Mm -hmm. He has a dedicated hobby account. It's called Watch the Breaks. All he tweets about is, is hobby. He's got 45,000 followers. Okay. Um, 
there is that's a, a couple lot. other yeah right. there, there are a that's, couple other yeah that's a lot yeah forty five thousand okay. dollars is a lot there are a couple other accounts that are hobby centric that I've seen that are in the seventy seventy five thousand range and those that those accounts don't do anything but tweet about the hobby so you, you can't imagine that they would have every single member of the hobby following them so maybe a hundred thousand that might be a better that might be a, a better number, seventy-five to one hundred thousand people on Twitter. Uh, okay. And there's so many. There's so many folks who don't. They're on Facebook or they're on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, from what I understand, maybe the Instagram community might be bigger than the Twitter community. Really? Um, yeah. And then there's. Uh, I noticed it the other day. There's there's a an there's an app called Whatnot, and it's an app where these people um, buy into breaks and the breakers, you know, sell their breaks. And oh, I don't on, do breaks. Hang on. Pause, pause. Break. You're throwing yeah. another word at me. All right. So a break <laughs> is, let's go back. I just mentioned a $2,500 box of cards, right? Okay. Yeah. So let's say there's a, there's a box of basketball cards that cost $2,500. All you would care about if you bought that box would be getting Seattle Supersonics cards. All I might care about would be getting Miami Heat cards. Somebody else might only want Los Angeles Lakers. So one central person buys the box for twenty five hundred and then divvies it up. Like, okay, you can buy into this box. You can you can buy every Laker that's going to be in here. Mm, you, okay. just need to, you need to pay a hundred bucks. Okay. Um, you can buy every Supersonic that's going to be in here. You need to contribute seventy five bucks. Um, it's kind of like that. And the more valuable the teams are, the more their stock in that box would cost. So it's, that kind of makes sense. Yes. So like. It'd yes. be more expensive to buy Lakers than it would to buy the Timberwolves. Uh, but everybody contributes, and then they open the box on camera, kind of like you and I are looking at each other right now, so everyone can see this is what the cards were in it, and then those cards get mailed from that central point out to the individual people who bought into the box. So that has that's how it started. It started with pure intentions of, hey, a bunch of us – would love to get this product and none of us want to spend that much money. So let's join in, join forces. And that way we can all get what we want. It has become a lottery, a gambling, an addiction for people. It has become the way to try to get that card. That's going to sell for a hundred thousand dollars as cheap as I can. It, it's truly become kind of a gambling. And I use the word infested on my prologue. It to me is the dirtier side of the hobby. It's got mm -hmm. some of the seedier characters. It has a lot of the people who are in it only to make money and, and don't give a damn about the cards. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people who came in post pandemic, who came in just because they saw that, that these card prices are going through the roof. Um, but um, so whatnot is a platform where they can do their breaks and people can buy in and can pay the money online digitally and, and, that's where they do a lot of the people do it. But I, a lot of these whatnot breakers have been getting caught scamming their customers. You know, they're opening the cards and they might, there's been a couple that have been caught on camera trying to remove a valuable card before, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But there was one the other day that um, there's a video of him getting busted scamming. And I looked up and he had like 47,000 followers on his breaking and so there were 47,000 people who followed him on whatnot in his breaks and to me i don't think he was one of the bigger one of the bigger breakers so i don't know the true number i i can speak um to basically twitter and i would say there's probably 75 to 100,000 on twitter but you know there 
you know, maybe millions of guys out there who still collect. Um, I don't know. I really, okay. it, it, it's hard to quantify. So, you know, for, for years, you and I have talked about doing a podcast about X or Y, you know, right. Um, what made you settle on this? What made you settle on people over cards? That's what I just talked about, actually. Um, you can turn on Netflix right now and watch a, a docu-series um, on the hobby. Um, not my hobby, uh, but a version of the hobby. Um, it, it follows a guy named Ken Golden, who does huge, huge online auctions. Um, and then there's another one on Amazon Prime um, that follows um, the high end, uh, the the breaking, the uh, the investment, um, the people who are in it for the money, not not the love of the hobby. And there's a it seems like the most visible and the thing that gets the most attention are those type of of shows. And you know, I just wanted to do something. And it's never going to get as many views or as many listens or, or whatever as, as that kind of stuff. But I just wanted to portray this little niche of the hobby that I found. And if I can get it out there and there's only a, a few people who, who get to see, instead of turning on Netflix and seeing that dirtier, seedier side of the hobby can be kind of flipping through Spotify or Apple Podcasts and run across this and see my hobby. So I just kind of wanted to to kind of be an ambassador and say, hey, there's part of this, this wonderful, beautiful hobby that is not what you're seeing Vegas Dave or what Ken Golden's doing. You know, it's, it's the everyday guy. It's, it's the guy who, who left for 25 years and, and, and found the love again. And there's a place for you, you know, and, you know, it's, it's a wonderful place. So that's really why I decided to do it is, and, I don't know my, what my reach will end up being, but you know, I did, I'm not really doing this for my friends to listen. I really truly do want to kind of present and portray, um, this sex. I didn't know this section of Twitter existed for you. I would have gotten back into the hobby a lot sooner had I known about this community, um, and how great it is. So if I can introduce somebody to that, uh, that's really what I want to do. Yeah. So, you know, the, the title of the podcast is apropos, you know, people over cards. That seems yeah. to be kind of the, the theme here. Yeah. That came yeah. actually from at last year's national convention in Atlantic city. I went and I met my friend, Eric Hecker, who was a, a guest on here. Uh, and then one of our other friends, Tony Shrek was there and the three of us kind of hung out for a couple of days and Tony was there and he said, I'm not buying a thing. I'm not buying a single thing. Only thing I've got is I brought this baseball and I brought my pen and I want to go home with as many autographs of my friends on this baseball as I can possibly get. And then Eric was there not to buy anything. He brought a hundred sealed bubble mailers full of baseball cards that he was just handing to people. He had a backpack and he would open the backpack and say, reach in and get, get one of these. He was doing a hundred random acts of kindness around the national. And 
So after after it was over and we all got back got home, we got on a Zoom together just to, just to talk and and to share our experience, what we liked and what we didn't like. And we just came to the conclusion that this hobby for the three of us anyway was about the people, not the cards. And it was about people over cards. So cool, cool story about that though. There was a picture of us from the national, the three of us together. We put that, I said, I'm gonna make a baseball card out of it. That's a cool picture. Let me let me go to Tops. And Tops had to create your own card at the time. It was 10 bucks. You get 20 cards. So we made a baseball card of the three of us together, uh, standing side by side at, at the national. And we got those 20 cards and we decided I would keep one. We would give one to Jen and Tony and Eric would each get one. So that left 16 cards. We signed 10 of them, each of us. I signed them all in one color. And then I signed five in a different color ink. And then I signed one in the third color. And I sent all 16 of those cards to Eric and he signed them all in the same way. And then he sent them all to, to Tony and he signed them. So now we got 16 autograph cards. 10 of them are numbered to 10. Five of them are numbered to five. And there's that one, one of one. And this just speaks to what you've talked about earlier, this hobby. We're three dorks. We're nobodies. <laughs> you know, we just get on Twitter and talk to each other about cards. But we sold those ones numbered to 10 for $10 each. We sold the ones numbered to five for $20 each. And we sold that one of one for a hundred dollars. We raised $300 <laughs> for the American Heart Association by selling those cards just on Twitter. And I'm telling you when they were sold out, I got, I mean, I've got so many messages saying, did I miss it? Did I miss it? I wanted to buy one, you know, and people were upset that they, they, they didn't get to get them. And that was the coolest thing. The craziest thing to me. But well, that, beg, uh, that begs the question, is there going to be more? No, uh, there was yeah. going to be, but top stopped doing it. So okay. we were going to do it. We were going to make it an annual thing where we did it. I do my heart association fundraiser yeah. every February for heart month. So we were going to do it again next year, but tops doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. Mine must've got lost in the mail because I swear <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so, you know, wrapping things up a little bit here, um, you obviously had, an ambition, a goal, um, for the podcast. Did you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish and tell us a little bit about plans you have for the future? Is there going to be a season two? Okay. So it's a multi-part question. I, I accomplished more than I thought I could accomplish, but at the same time, there were some things that I wanted to accomplish that I didn't quite get done. Um, and yes, there's plans for a season two. So the reach that this thing has so far has been surprising, to say the least. Um, the numbers that I'm seeing, I would have never, um, I would never bet money that I would ever, ever get to that many listeners. Um, you know, but, you know, right now we're, we're, uh, there's been eight, eight podcasts, you know, I'm averaging 90 to 100 unique listeners a week. And to me, I didn't, that that's, that's really good. You know, there's no advertising other than me tweeting it out on Monday morning saying, Hey, there's a new, new podcast out, um, or a new episode out. So, you know, I'm getting about a hundred listeners a week. Uh, it's obvious. There's a lot of people that listen more, uh, more than once I get messages. Um, I've gotten several messages saying, uh, and I, I won't say what, what they said, but just really, really positive 
really positive messages saying, hey, I, I heard this. I listened to this guy talk. I listened to this episode. And I just wanted to let you know um, it, it hit home for me. Uh, just getting stuff like that. I got one the other day. It was about the Amazon Prime uh, show. The guy had been watching the, the the show on Amazon Prime about the hobby. And he immediately messaged me and said, I'm watching this this and it makes me makes me sad and it it, it, it kind of turns my stomach watching what i'm seeing on this screen and i just want to tell you that's what makes your podcast so great and so necessary that that your message needs to be out there more than what we can see on on this amazon prime show so that was overwhelming for me that was amazing um you know there's a, a few people who I wanted to get on, but for, who agreed, but then we had scheduling conflicts. And so I learned a little bit. I learned about, um, you know, the organization of it, how to do it. So I think in season two, I'll be better. Um, I'll be better organized. And, you know, I'm looking to grow this. I did not want it to be a broadcast. I mean, I know right now you and I, it's kind of a broadcast, <laughs> but, you know, you've, you've just agreed to be my, my guest host. But I didn't want it to be, man, we've done YouTube videos for years and it's, me and my friends who I love dearly, but we just sit and talk about kind of the same things over and over again. And it, the same people watched over and over again. And it, it didn't really have the ability to, to expand. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just getting my friends on here and just talking about the same topics over and over. I wanted to get people who made an impact. Uh, and I think I did a good job with that. I, I, I was pleased with, with some of the folks who, who came on here. There were a couple who, when I started this season, I had it planned out. I was going to have this many guests and this many episodes. And there are a couple of people appeared on here who weren't scheduled to be on here. Um, and I'm so happy that they, that they, that I found them and that they did come on. And that does leave me the ability to get some of those folks who we had scheduling conflicts for season two. Um, you know, going forward, you know, I, I just want to make sure I keep true to it. I don't want it to ever be just a broadcast where um, I just start having my friends on talking about it. I want it to be, you know, people who make an impact in the hobby and have a, a, a really interesting story to tell. So I think you've realized that personally, you know, as your friend, I started listening because I'm your friend, but I didn't keep listening because I'm your friend. I'm, mm -hmm. I kept listening because I really enjoy them. And, uh, I know I speak for a lot of people out there. Um, at least a hundred of us, uh, who are looking <laughs> forward to, uh, season number two. So that's fantastic. Listen, man. Um, I can't tell you how good it made me feel truly, uh, to get asked to, uh, do this episode with you. Um, it was an honor. Um, I've had an absolute blast listening to season one and again, can't wait for season two. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and doing this. I, I, I truly appreciate it. I've had a blast during this season. I've had a blast talking to you for, for the last 50 minutes. And, you know, I ask you for a couple of reasons. One, I knew you do a good job and one, I knew you were genuine and I, you know, I want, I want that uh in my podcast and two you're not a member of the hobby you know so i knew that it wouldn't end up just kind of being a uh, us talking about you know the same things we talk about all the time i wanted a fresh a fresh perspective from from that side so i think you were perfect and then thirdly you know we've talked for at least seven years now about doing a podcast <laughs> together so i wanted to get the we bug. finally I got want, it yeah so, and i want you know hey Let's, let's, we can still do one with, you know, won't be on the hobby, but, uh, I wanted yeah. to get you, um, to get you going on this and maybe, maybe get you, um, 
get you bitten by the bug. So, and I, I do appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Listen, folks, happy collecting. Stay tuned. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Hey, now that's my line. Uh, I got a couple more things I need to say before, before we, we close this out. So, um, first thing I want to say, first and foremost, thank you so much for being with me through this. Uh, if you're listening right now, if this is the first time you've listened or if you've been with us through all nine episodes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I cannot express my gratitude to you enough. This is, um, something I just did for fun, but, uh, I truly hope that, um, this message of positivity and the goodness that can come out of this hobby has been, um, has come through in these episodes. It's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful hobby. And, um, the people in it are, are simply amazing. So I can't wait to come back for another season. Uh, I don't know exactly when that'll be. Uh, it'll be a few weeks. I've got to get some guests lined up. I've got to start recording some episodes. Um, and I, I'll, I'll probably make a few changes, uh, a few tweaks along the way uh, in an effort to try to make this better. So, you know, I'll, I'll keep listeners updated via my Twitter account. But if you don't follow me on Twitter, uh, first of all, please do. Uh, that's at ensportscards1 on Twitter. But if you don't have Twitter and you you, you really don't want to do that, that that's cool. Um, but give this podcast a follow or a subscription on whatever platform you may be listening. And if you don't mind, turn on the, the notifications. So when I do come back, um, you'll get notified and, and you'll be able to listen uh, to season two as we get it started. So once again, uh, my eternal thanks. I'm forever grateful. Uh, and I won't be back next week. I always say that uh, with a new guest, but I won't, I won't be back next week, but I'll be back soon. Until then, this is Che, wishing you happy collecting.